Amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to continue on with help for the hurting. So come on, Adrian. Praise the Lord. Well, first of all, thank God for Pastor Zach and Miss Diane, and um, I honored them, and Pastor Val and Miss Sherry. Amen. Amen. And I, you know, I have to say that um, this is the first time that I'm getting to to share since right before I had surgery. So that's over a year ago now. And so you're my guinea pigs <laughs> as I as I figure out how, you know, as I try to stay focused, you know, but um yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. You got you got me tonight. All right. So yeah, so so as the as the black folks say when they move in the neighborhood, I was here. I was here. <laughs> so all right. I am here. And so we are going to continue with uh, help for the hurting. Now, when pastor said, you know, I'm going to do a series on help for the hurting and I'd like you to participate in that. You know, he did not say that in order for you to do this, you have to have mastered all of this. You have to have absolutely mastered what it is to to give that help for the for the for the hurting. If he had said that, I wouldn't be standing here right now but we're we're in this together aren't we we are in this together it's funny because he said yeah we're going to talk about help for the hurting and I was like I'm hurting you know I'm one of the hurting but but here here I am God is good so even though even in our hurt I, I I'm sure that I'm talking to people tonight who could also say that they're dealing with hurt of some kind whether it's physical whether it's financial whether it's with your family whatever I'm sure that you didn't show up just because you're, you represent what it is not to hurt at all. So even though I was like, oh, well, I'm hurting. The truth of the matter is that even in our going through, we have the help on the inside of us that other people need. Even in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, right? Okay, so the help, the help resides on the inside of us. So that, well, man, I'm hurting. I can't. I, and I'm, I'm going to share. We're just going to kind of talk. And believe me, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to some scriptures. But we're going to do a little bit of talking. I'm going to share a little bit of uh, some of some stories. And it's not to, to highlight myself in, in any way, but other the fact that I'm the one standing here. So I'm going to share some stories that relate to me. And, um, and for the, I don't need to say this, but for any time that I hit the nail on the head, there have been many times when I absolutely missed it. Amen? So I'm, I'm not trying to highlight me, but I, but I have some experience. Um, and I want, I want to tell you about my, my pastor back at home, Pastor Jerome, he used to say to me all the time, he used to say, Adrian, we need more, I need more from you, Adrian. I need you to, 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 to give more. I need you to be pouring into people's lives. There are young women who need what you have. You're a beautiful gift from God, but I need more from you. He would say that all the time. He would pour that into me all the time. In fact, even after I moved here, I remember receiving a call from him and he, how are things going? How are you doing? But of course, before the end of that conversation, who are you helping? Who are you pouring into? Who are you discipling? He's always said that to me. There's so much more. And he would encourage me. You're a beautiful gift to the body. I need more. You know, there are times when I was just like, ah. Oh. So 
I went through a situation with a coworker in which there was a, in her family, in which there was a horrible loss in their family, a horrible loss. And I had just recently invited her to, to church. In fact, I was home one day and, the, and it was like the Lord just spoke to me and said, ask her if she goes to church. And I thought, well, God, that's kind of odd because I was already fairly sure she did not. But that was what I felt the Lord said, ask her if she goes to church. And so I did. And then she said, you know, my husband and my son and I, we've been thinking about that we need to maybe go to start going to church. And they came. I believe it was that next Sunday. They were there in church. And I believe it was that week that there was a horrible accident, a uh, motorcycle accident, and her son ended up in the hospital. Now, I don't do uh, hospitals, you know. I don't generally do hospitals at all, um, but I was there, and I walked with them through this horrible season in their life because he did eventually, uh, he did pass away, but I remember what it was. I walked into the, that room in there, and I would just try to speak to him. He wasn't conscious. I could just hear the machines. I still, you know, and, um, and after walking through all that, and then they had, they had the funeral, and I actually... I was the one to speak at the funeral, you know? And after all of that, what happened? One of them, the coworker, turned on me. Um, she was really turning on God. She was really bitter and I represented that and it turned on me and spoke horrible things against me. And, and I'm going to work every day with people over years. I built a, you know, a reputation as you know, something positive and she just totally blasted me. And I was so crushed. Because how many of you know when you hurt people, you're going to go through some of that? But I was so crushed, and I remember I was just withdrawn. I, I withdrew a little bit there, and I said, and the pastor, my pastor at the time I'm talking about, he called me into his office, and he was like, you know, what's, what's going on? You're totally withdrawn. You're all this. I said, I need you to. I need you to. And I was like, I remember looking at him, and I said, I've got nothing left to give. You know, you hear that expression, but I said that I've got nothing left in me to give but you know that's a lie of the enemy because even in the midst of my own hurt and betrayal and all of that there was still so much more in me to give because he is in me and so it is with every one of us when we look at our situations and the hurt that people put us through or life has put us through it's so easy to say I've got nothing left to give but the Lord is like Pastor Jerome who is saying, I need you to believe. I need you to help. I need you to reach out. That we are, we always say the arms, the legs of Jesus. He needs us to do that. So saying I have nothing left to give is not an excuse for any of us when we talk about help for the hurting. Then there's this. Well, that's not my calling. You ever feel like that? that's not, that's just not my calling. Like I said. I don't do hospitals. Let me share another story with you. My Aunt Mary, who helped raise me, my Aunt Alma's sister, my dad's sister, she had a stroke several years ago before I moved here, and she was, she was not able to, to, to speak. To, to, we weren't even sure how much, how aware she was or anything. That was in Long Island, New York. I lived three hours away in upstate New York where I was teaching seventh graders English every day. Well, Aunt Alma was there every day every day all through the night on was there sitting by her sister's side 
and it was a hard thing to do. And so what I did, and this was for nearly two years, I would teach all week, get in my car, drive the three hours one way to Long Island, and sit by my Aunt Mary's side, who couldn't respond, who couldn't, so that she, so that I could be there for her, but also so that I could be there for my Aunt Alma, so that she could get out of there, because that weighs a toll on you. So I was doing it for her, but I was also doing it for the people who worked there, because if you know my Aunt Alma, they were really glad that I gave Aunt Alma that break. Okay? But I sat there, not my calling. She was in the hospital, but then she had to go to the nursing home because she had the trach and, and the whole thing. And I'm, you learn to wipe things, and you learn to, to see things, and you learn the things that you think you cannot do. By the grace of God, the help that he puts inside of you, you'd be amazed at what you can do. I mean, I don't like being a high, I don't, if you know me, if I can help it, I'm not even touching doorknobs. I'm not a germaphobe, but I realize they exist, and I just don't like being in germy places. I don't like touching doorknobs, I don't, I just don't. You know, but not definitely don't like being there and checking my aunt and telling them to come suction the trach and all that stuff. If you've ever seen any of that, it's not pretty. I have an extremely weak stomach. So that wasn't my calling. But how many of you know that needs will supersede your calling? The need that is before you will override what you are called to do. And so this isn't my calling is not an excuse not to be a help to those who are hurting. And you know what? People are hurting. People are hurting like never before. The world seems to be upside down. The country, for sure, seems to be upside down. And people are, I've never heard the word anxiety more in all my life. Seriously. I don't remember ever, everybody has anxiety. Never, you know. And so it's, people, people are hurting. And the answer, we know, it's not in the political system. Right about maybe an hour ago or so, we, Governor Ron DeSantis, I believe, was supposed to announce his run for the presidency. And as, as wonderful as he is, no doubt the greatest governor we have in the country, in Florida, even he is not the answer that we, whether it's him for president or Trump or Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy, whoever is running, Tim Scott, that's not enough. If it were enough, we wouldn't have the anxiety that we have. The political system is not the answer. It might even be part of the anxiety. Hello? But people, it's, you know what? Rare is the person who will resist prayer now. So as horrible as the hurt seems to be, the help has an opportunity, maybe like never before. The day before Pastor started this series, I'm in Walmart, and Walmart is about the closest you can get to being separated from God as possible. <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, I, I don't like going in there, but I can't seem to stay out of Walmart. But I, I go in, I put my earbuds in, I'm always listening to some kind of podcast or teaching or something. So the earbuds are in. I'm doing, I'm in the cat aisle, okay? And I don't realize that all of a sudden there's somebody who is saying something to me. And I hear it's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I look and I see this woman there. 
And I'm just like, ah, you know, oh, I'm sorry. She's, I was like, huh? She's like, oh, I didn't realize you were, you know. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, and I want to go on, but she's still talking. So I figure I got to, you know, so she started talking about the prices because people are hurting financially. These prices are off the hook. And so she's like, these prices. And I was like, yeah, tell me about it. I was like, it is. And she was like, I don't know. She's like, I'm concerned for my grandchildren. You know, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, I know it's, I was like, it's something else. I said, I just got to trust God. And she was like, exactly. Like she starts talking. So, you know, I make sure I'm listening to her. She just starts talking. I'm, she said, I, I have uh, stage three cancer, ovarian cancer, and that I'm going through. And I, I don't, I don't go to church. Lenny. I haven't been to church in a long, you know, they always find the need to tell that to you. I haven't been to church in a long time and, and, and everything. She's like, but I do, I believe, you know, I do believe and, and, and everything. And, and she just tells me her journey, the health journey. And I just listen. And, and then after she, as she's talking for a while, I just said, I said, can I pray for you? Now, I don't know if it's a God set up. I don't know if she would not have said yes had there been tons of people in the aisle. All I know is the cat aisle is a busy aisle. But not one person was in that aisle nor came in that aisle during that whole time. Don't know if that's good or not, but it might have been for her benefit. I don't know. But she said, yeah, pray. And I'm praying for her and commanding healing and all that. And she's responding. She's responding. And after we're done praying, she's just like, okay. She's like, tell me about your church. Where do you go to church? And so I begin to tell her. I told her where I go. And she's like writing it down. When do you have church? And I, she's like, I'm going to be away on Sunday, you know, but I'll, I'll be back until when. And then she's like, and I said, and we have church on Wednesday. And so she was like, oh, when? She's like, she said, is it okay if I come on Wednesday? And I was like, absolutely, it's okay if you come on Wednesday. And she told me she was going to be there the next day, which she wasn't yet. But she said, I'll, you know, I'll be there. I'll, I'll come. But um, she's like, yeah, I might be able to make it on that Sunday. But if not, I haven't seen her yet. Her name is Natasha. But I point her out to say this. People are hurting. And so I'm, she's dealing with cancer. She's dealing with the financial pressures that many of us are dealing with. And so when you say, may I pray for you, the answer is absolutely. And then they begin to open up and they begin to talk. But meanwhile, I came in with my earbuds wanting to do my thing and get as far away from Walmart as I possibly can. But there are opportunities everywhere for us to help people to be a blessing to people, and we have the answer. Now today, pastor's been talking about that. The lost need Jesus, but today our focus is on, a, is on a different group of people. The focus today is on people who know the Lord or who have known the Lord and help for them. Pastor said, would you share about, would you share about help for those who are discouraged or those who have lost their way. Now he said, now, of course, he said to me, um, I checked in with him a few days later and, and I, and he said, now, if you want to include other people that, you know, who are lost, that's fine, you know, but I really do want to focus in on people who know God or who have known God and they are still hurting. I believe that we see those people in the midst of us all the time. They're sitting among us or they've wandered away from God 
or left the church because they got discouraged, they lost their way, they fell in the sin, they caught an attitude, they're going through life, whatever it is. And I think the group of people who know God or have known God can be the most difficult, can be in the most difficult of places because I'm going to be honest myself because oftentimes our mindset toward people who know God or have known God is they ought to be doing better. Why aren't they free yet? Why aren't they delivered? Why aren't they encouraged? Why can't they make like David and encourage themselves in the Lord? And sometimes we have that mindset and that mentality when people are going through things. And some of those questions, why aren't they this? Why aren't they that? All the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Why aren't you healed yet? All these things we, can cause us to make to cast judgment on people and figure we don't really need to help them as much. We just need to focus on those who are outside the church. But I'm saying that we need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to minister to the lost, but we also have to minister to people who are in the church who are hurting and our mindset, and I'm talking to me too, like I said, can't just be suck it up. Now, having said that, I want to say this. I hope it doesn't sound mean, but it's true. Having said that, there are times when you've reached out to people and you've prayed for people and you've counseled people and you did all that and they reject or they resist. And back in my old church, you hear the leaders say sometimes after they've done all that, after they've reached out and they prayed and they counseled and they said set up boundaries and they did all that stuff and people still choose their hurt over, over the Lord, they say sometimes something like, well... Sometimes people have to eat some pig food for a while. And that's true. Sometimes people have to eat pig food for a while. But let's not be the ones to bring the pig food to them. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Let's not be the ones who hurry that process. We want to do everything we can to help people. We want to do the, all that we can. So people who know Jesus are hurting. And we're also the ones easiest to be overlooked sometimes. This Pastor's message on Sunday was a perfect precursor to what I'm talking about because he ministered on when you don't understand. When you don't understand. And sometimes as people who know the Lord, we know how to clap right. We know how to get up and down right. We know how to wave our hand right. We know how to do all the right things. And on the inside, there's that part of us is saying, I don't get this. I don't understand. And it doesn't mean that you're going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe you're just being real <laughs> because we don't understand everything. And so sometimes people lose their way because they don't understand. I look at my story again. I don't know why I had to have brain surgery a year ago. I know Jesus is a healer. I mean, I, I, till the day of the surgery and they're ready, I'm like, are you going to do another scan? Cause I'm believing that. I, and, and I would say when I finally shared it, I said, I'm scheduled for surgery on April 26th. I didn't want to say I'm having it. Cause I knew that God could come right in and take all that away. I don't want anybody ramrodding up my nose to get to my pituitary gland. I don't understand that. And then I don't understand, honestly, how you have brain surgery and then you end up 
with body pains throughout your entire body from brain surgery? Like, how did that happen? I didn't understand. I still don't understand why I'm still walking through. Why do I have to say to Pastor, can you put the stool out here just in case I need it? It doesn't make sense to me. Jesus is a healer. What happens when you don't understand? There are people who've lost their way because they didn't understand. You know, so today, I, yesterday I go for blood work. It's been a while. Today I go into the endocrinologist, and what does he say? Well, cortisol still extremely low. Pituitary gland still not working. Then, of course, they say to you, it may never wake up, which I've been told before. And whenever they tell me that, it may never wake up, I just look at them. Sometimes I say, no, I don't believe that. And today, I just, because, you know, you go, uh-huh. Uh, I'm not saying, uh-huh. I'm not doing any of that. So I just looked at it. It may never wake up, they say, which means I'm still on the steroids because you cannot function without cortisol. So there's the, cortis there's the steroids that I take because you can't function without that. In fact, I'm supposed to be wearing a bracelet because if I ever pass out or I'm incapacitated, I can't talk, they need to know that I need that, supposedly. It doesn't make sense to me. And there are some people who have gone through health challenges and family challenges and other challenges, and it doesn't make sense. And they lose their way. Sometimes still sitting even among us. Sometimes they walk out the door. Some people get offended and they're hurt. But we're still the help. And we can't be the help if we don't care about people. So that's number one. You have to care about people. Otherwise, you're not going to even see them. Amen? And we have to withhold that judgment because a lot of times when they don't understand, we don't understand what's going on with them either. I've been told one-on-one, face-to-face, that the reason why I'm still going through this is because I just don't believe. I mean, face-to-face, -face, I have heard that because you don't, you just don't believe. And I was like, and at one, and I, you know, kind of heard subtle things like that. And then one time I was just flat, flat out. And I said, no, because I felt like the Lord was dealing with me about that. No, don't receive that. But that was what, you know, because you don't, you don't believe. And I was just like, no, see, understand, even with pastor's message, some people have lost their way and they've gotten discouraged, not because they didn't believe, but because they did believe, because they had this expectation and it didn't turn out the way they expected. And so they're disappointed and then they get bitter and they're hurting even people who should know better. And it reminds me of Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King said once, he said, I'm disappointed in America. He said, but there can be no great disappointment where there is no great love. Now we know that God has never truly disappointed anyone, but perception is reality for people. And Pastor even talked about that on Sunday, about perception. It's a powerful thing. And you would think, well, how do you think God would disappoint? I've been there. I've been there in my life where I believe in God for something, got prophecies about something, and it just never, ever happens. And I remember the day I realized I'm mad at God. I'm disappointed with God. That's quite a revelation. But truly, God never really disappoints but we've got to meet people at the point of their perception and be able to minister truth to them in the midst 
of the disappointment. Isn't that true? Let's go. I told you I was going to get to a scripture here. If you go to Galatians chapter 6, I'm telling you, I want to talk about and focus on people in the body or have been in the body. If you go to Galatians chapter 6, we'll start with, we're going to read 1 and 2 and then 9 and 10. And it says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then 9 and 10, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Here it is. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Did you hear? Especially. We don't tend to think that way. Well, you guys are good. You're good. You're fine. We got to reach the lost. And we do. Again, we've got to walk and chew gum at the same time. But the Bible is clear that we should be doing good, especially to those who are the household of faith. Are we tuned in to our brothers and sisters who are sitting among us hurting for whatever reason, who are discouraged, or maybe those we haven't seen in a while? Can you think of people you haven't seen in a while? And have you, have you reached out? And maybe you have. There are times when you do and they still reject you. That's just life. But especially those, everybody say especially. Especially we are, you know, you know the saying, blood is thicker than water. We're blood. It's the blood of Jesus. And the Lord is married to the backslider. So we should be thinking, okay, especially, especially those in the household of faith. But this passage that I read, it's not for everyone. It's not, it's not even, it wasn't even for all the Galatians. It's not for everyone. It clearly gives a mandate to the type of person, to a certain type of person. I don't know if you caught it. But it said, you who are what? Spiritual. You who are spiritual. So that begs the question, are you spiritual? You are because it's Wednesday and you're here, <laughs> right? But seriously, are we spiritual? Because the Bible says you who are spiritual, you're the ones who are reaching out. Even if they're overtaken with the fall, you who are spiritual, restore. So that means that if you're not interested, you might not be spiritual. Hello? If your heart's not there, if you're not restoring, if you're not reaching out, if you're not trying to pull back those who are overtaken in the fall, then you're probably not spiritual. And if you are spiritual, then the Bible makes it clear. This is what we ought to be doing, especially to those in the household of faith. Amen? Yes. All right. So I want to read this other verse. Before I share this, let me say, I know that it's not talking exactly about what I'm talking about, but we're going to read it anyway, and you'll see why. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those 
of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And again, I know they're not talking about exactly what I'm talking about, but it applies. If you are not caring for those in the house, in the household, you're worse than an unbeliever. You're worse than an infidel. Because that should be, that's like when they, they say about pastors and stuff. Sometimes pastors, they are so busy with people. And they said, but your first priority is to your family, right? And the church, we're always pulling on them. And that can be difficult. But the, you, the house, your household and also the household of faith, that's got to be a focus of ours. Amen? All right. So I'm going to share. This is a, a long passage. Isn't it funny? It's kind of funny, not kind of funny. I don't know what funny means, but it's kind of interesting anyway. How when you're about to read a long passage in church, you're like apologizing. <laughs> you're just like, I'm so sorry. This is a lengthy reading. It's like we're in church. <laughs> it's okay. It's the Bible, right? But we just like, so I was going to sum this up, most of this up, but I don't want you to miss anything because I'm asking you to picture it. Picture it. One of the things we would always say, I mean, I'm an Eng my background is an English teacher, right? I taught English in New York for almost 20 years, seventh graders. One of the things we tell, we always say, is that good readers, and I'm not talking about people who pronounce well, I mean people who comprehend, good readers always see pictures when they read. Always see pictures. Some people say, I don't see anything. And they're honest, they're just like, I don't see anything. But then others, it's like a movie. You know, because they just see pictures. So as I read this, I, 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 don't, I want you to catch, I want to read all of it, uh, most of it anyway, because I want you who can to picture what I'm saying. Because in this, in, in John chapter 11, we find a model for how to help the hurting. There's a model here. And I want you to try to picture, this is a powerful story of friendship, of love, of loss, of pain, of transparency, of resurrection. And so as I read, try to find the specific things that are done to help the hurting, particularly what Jesus did, because this is a model for us, okay? So again, rather lengthy, no apologies. <laughs> It says, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Excuse my King James Version. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. That sounds like such an oxymoron. It says, now Jesus loved them, so he just stayed where he was. <laughs> right? interesting but anyway but he loved them so he abode two days still in the same place where he was then after that he said to his disciples let us go into Judea again okay now I'm going to skip down to 11 
and then I'm going to go through. It says, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, well, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now I'm going to give you a freebie here, okay? This is not about this lesson at all, but I saw something in this a while ago, a few months ago, and I think it's so powerful, right? How many times are we just like, Lord, I don't understand what you're saying. Lord, I don't recognize your voice. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, and notice what he does. He's speaking to them, and they, are, they don't know what he's talking about. They think he's talking about something else. And finally, Jesus turns and goes, he's dead. They're like, well, if he sleeps, he does well because I'm not getting enough sleep. I wish I was sleeping too, right? And he's like, Lazarus is dead, y'all. And I found such, when I saw that, I found such encouragement in that because even when I don't understand, I'm like, Lord, I don't understand what you're showing me. I don't understand what you're trying to say. I don't understand. He knows how to speak my language. He didn't leave them hanging, confused. He turned and gave it to them plainly in a way that they would understand. I told you that's a freebie. has nothing to do with this, but it's something to hold on to. Worrying and worrying about, well, what if I miss God? What if I don't hear? What if I? He knows how to make it plain. Exactly what you need to hear. Praise God for that because I need extra help. All right. So. In verse 15, now we go through. He said, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Please don't put him on the encouragement committee. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to go. We're just going to all die. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Now, again, really zone in. I want you to start picturing what is done to help the hurting. Lazarus is dead. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Now, picture in this now. Martha said unto him, well, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. So, so Jesus says that he is the resurrection, and those who believe shall never die. And then he asks her, Do you believe? I'm not sure she's answering the question that he's asking. I'm not quite sure. When she says, well, I believe that you're the Christ. So I'm not sure. I don't know. It might be her way of saying yes. I don't know, but not sure. But anyway, he said, I am the resurrection. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and he calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. 
Now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died when you don't understand? Right. I mean, we, we, we say he can he can do anything. He can do everything. And even the people are looking and people at times in our circumstances, they're looking and they're just like, well, couldn't the God that she serves have fixed the situation? Some sarcastically. Um, some just seriously wondering, like, couldn't he have done this? If you don't understand you don't understand. They didn't understand. And it says, Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto the Lord, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he had been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto you that if you would believe you, you should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus come forth. And we've all heard the messages when we hear, he had to call him by name, otherwise everybody would have gotten up, right? But he says, Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead did what? He came forth. Very good. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him talk about a turnaround can you imagine the joy I remember the friend that I was telling you about or I thought was a friend that I was telling you about before with the the son who passed away I just remember thinking like how you know people are weeping people are hurting people are like how awesome it would be for him to be able to get up out of that dead state and be able to present him back to the people who love him the most. Can you imagine the joy that was there? Verse 45 harkens back to what um, Sister Tiffany Coriel said on Mother's Day. There are no wasted seasons. Notice that verse 45, it says, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. After the pain, after the death, after the morning, 
after the falling down and saying, if you had only been here, after all that, he's still the resurrection. He raises them up. And as a result, people witnessed the power of God. Don't understand why it had to be done that way. I don't get all that. Just don't. But he did. And many of them believed on him. As a result, that season that was so painful, it wasn't wasted. And that was what, that was what um, Sister Coriel said, Sister Tiffany said on Mother's Day. There's not a wasted season. So even those who may be here hurting or the people we know who are hurting or the people who lost their way and went out of here hurting, whatever the situation may be, if we can reach out, if we can reach them, if we can pray, if we can help, they'll come to know that it's not been wasted. I said to Miss Diane, one, one, a few months ago she came over and she was talking to me and I said, I feel like I've wasted a whole year. And now I'm counting, it seems. I, like, I feel like I've wasted a whole year. Like, I can't, you know, I hurt. And she said to me, I don't remember your exact words, but Mr. Diane said something. She said, but it's not been a waste. It's not been a waste. I don't know all that God's going to go through, do through it. I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting on the other side of it. I continue to say I will run again, right? But it's not wasted. He doesn't waste anything. And the Bible says all things work together for good to them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. It didn't, it didn't say that God orchestrated all things, but he will create all, he will make all things work for our good. He does have our best interest in mind. He does have that hurting person and he chooses to use us. But anyway, as I said, um, we cannot discard people who are hurting. Because God will sometimes take the hard seasons, like with Mary and Martha, that they don't understand, that we don't understand, to allow other people to see him for who he is. He will not waste it. So what's the model of help for these sisters who believed but were clearly in a hurting season? Because I said there's a model here. So what did the people do? They were there. You notice the people were there comforting them, the Bible says. That's first of all. They were actually there. Bereavement ministry may not have been on their resume. It may not have been their calling. They may have felt they had nothing else to give. Maybe some of them had a hurt they were dealing with. But they were there to help and let Mary and Martha know that they care. And today, we've got so many ways to do that. Hello? They were there. And so what did Jesus do? What did he do? Here's the model. Number one, he came to them. He came to them, and it tells us he loved them. He came to them, and he genuinely cared. Lesson for us, we have to genuinely care because you can only fake concern for so long. I've heard people preach and say, you know what? If you're sick, you better hope you get healed real quick because the church only coming to help you only so long. And that's, I've heard people say that. We say no, but I've heard that. But you can't fake concern, but for so long. Because sooner or later, somebody going to get on your nerves. And you're going to let them know. And you're going to be done. You've heard the saying, you are my last nerve. They mean it. Or you got one more time to X, Y, and Z. And we're done. 
But true concern caused Jesus to come to them. There are people who are hurting. Are we willing to go to them, to reach out to them? He also listened. That's number two. He listened. They both came and said the same thing. Both of them said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He didn't just say, get up, suck it up, deal with it. Don't say that. He listened. They were transparent. They knew. For them, those who say, well, if people get disillusioned and they, they just didn't believe. No, they believed and they knew that if he had been there, it would have been all right. So there was genuine disappointment and genuine hurt because the one who was the answer took his time showing up. Or so it seemed. They felt abandoned. No doubt. You ever feel abandoned? God, where are you? We don't like to say that, but he is there. We know, like I said, perception. That's why we, we have to submit perception to the truth. Right? Like I said, sometimes we look at people and say, well, they better make like David and encourage themselves in the Lord. And yeah, we do better know how to encourage ourselves with the truth. But we also need the heart to help encourage other people who are struggling doing that. So he listened. Sometimes we don't listen at all. We don't listen at all sometimes. He listened to them in their despair, in their agony, one on the ground. And he listened. And after listening, though, he brought reassurance. He reminded them that he is the miracle, that he can do anything. So some of us don't listen at all, and then some listen and agree with the death sentence. But Jesus didn't do that. He listened, and then he spoke the truth. Now, sometimes I get in trouble with people because I'm, I'll say they're trying to tell me stuff, and I can do a better job listening. But sometimes people will say something, and they're going through, and this and that, and I'll just be like, I'll just quote a scripture, or I'll encourage, and, I, you know, and sometimes it's like, I sometimes just need someone to listen. You know, and people will say that to me. But there's a time to listen, and then there's a time to say, okay, get on up now. And I, I've said to people before, now, if you expected me to agree with what you said that was negative, you got the wrong person. Because all I know to do is speak the word. So I want to listen, though, and I want to do a better job of that. But I don't want to leave it there. Because sometimes we got yes people. And they're, oh, yeah, girl, you got a reason to be hurt. Oh, they did that to you in the church. Oh, girl, I leave too. Mm-hmm. But we need people to say, no, if you have a problem with your brother, the Bible says go to them. And if they don't hear you, then, right, we've got to speak truth. But we got to listen. So Jesus came to them. He listened to them. And then after listening, he brought reassurance. He didn't leave them thinking that there was no hope for them. So. We need to do the same. Now, the fourth thing he did was he talked to his father right there. Right there, he talked to the father. We have to pray with and for people also. We show up, we listen, we reassure through faith, we pray for people, with people. Whether it's here, whether it's in Walmart, whether it's outside your house, wherever, whether it's over the phone, and then here this is, five. This is the model. He actually acted. He did something. 
Now, pastor, he said last week, and I quote, at least I quote my notes, he said, anointing is not about a feeling. It's about springing into action, is what he said. And I think about that. Pastor said, hey, you know, would you, would you do one of the segments? And I'm like, I don't really feel anointed. I, you know, I'm the hurting, right? I don't necessarily feel anointed. You don't always feel qualified. You may feel unqualified or disqualified. A pastor said it's not about a feeling. It's about action. So Jesus, he did something. He demonstrated something. So what can we do to bring life to a brother or sister who is hurting? Who haven't we seen in a while? Who moved from the front to the back? Not saying if you're in the back, that's a bad sign. But people who sometimes when you're going through, you, you see there's a progression, right? They started there, but then they kind of move in the back. So who's doing that so they, that they can just check in, kind of check out, whatever? Who is that? Here's something practical, too, when I say, what can you do? Here's something practical. Sometimes we say to people, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Or let me know what I can do to help. Some things are obvious. Some things are just obvious. Because most people aren't going to tell you. So, you know, whatsoever you find your hands to do, as the Bible says, do it. And do it as unto the Lord. Some people are not going to say. So, you know, if, if, if blood is oozing out somebody's neck on, onto the floor, I, I don't, if there's something I can do, let me know. Well, you know, I mean, get a cloth, get a bandage. You know, it's clear. It's obvious. You don't need, you know, wait. I'm just going to wait for her to tell me what I can do for her. It's, uh, some things are obvious. I mean, when people need, some things are not so obvious. Obviously, obviously, it's, some things are not obvious. You know, so there's no, you know, it, it, it depends, some things. But there are a lot of things, even if it's just reaching out. If, it, if There are things that are obvious that we could do to help and to hurt and not to discard people and not to be so consumed in ourselves that we miss so much. God has entrusted us with the helper on the inside of us. And there are times you don't even know, you don't know what to say. And the Lord may give you something to say. I was doing a life group with my friend Christy. We just ended it. One lady came up to me after one of them and she said, the Lord told me to, to tell you this. And I was like, oh, goodness. And she starts talking to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell her. And I'm like, I don't know why the Lord. I mean, that was what my thinking was. But she began to talk to me. She's dealing with anxiety. And she was talking about that and her family, how everybody relies on her and stuff. And I was just like, Lord, I got nothing. I mean, I'm just standing there like my wheels, you know, I'm like, I have nothing. But then all of a sudden, I just begin to, I said, you know what? I'm that person in my family. People tend to, Adrian's the strong one. Adrian, you know, so when I break down, and I, you know, so I mean, I began to share with her. She came back the next, well, she sent me a message, but then she came back and told everyone the next week. She said, do you know I have had not one ounce of anxiety since that day? She said, I've not taken any anxiety pills. And I'm just like, Wow. And it wasn't about, she was obedient to whatever the Lord told her to do. But I didn't know necessarily what I was going to say, but do whatever it is that's before you to do or whatever God gives you or whatever that word is, just be available to whatever God has. Now, sometimes as I close this out here, um, sometimes hurting people sometimes feel like Lazarus. 
Their dreams look like him, dead. Their relationships look like him. Their finances look like him. Their health look like him. Their hope looks like him. Just looks dead. And if we're not careful, especially with people who should be over this by now or should be able to deal with this better, if we're not careful, we will look at them and we'll also see a dead Lazarus. But we have the model. We have the model. We are to execute as Jesus did, not look the other way and not write them off as dead. We go to them. We listen. We reassure. We pray. And we spring into action. That's what we do. So, and if rejection comes, guys, we just keep praying. You know, maybe we've done all we can. And they just got to go through. Maybe they got to eat pig, whatever. I don't know. But let's do our part. And we never will if we don't genuinely care. So, and guess what? what you go, well, I don't care. I, I remember a friend. She was just as honest one time in a home group back home. She was just like, honestly, I, if I don't know you, I don't really care about you. <laughs> and she was just being serious. Like, she was just saying, that's just my deal. Like, if I don't know, I just don't. I just don't. But the thing about God is we can be so honest with him. We could be like Mary and Martha who said, if you had been here, this would not have happened. They could just, they were just transparent. And we can just say, Lord, there have been times when I prayed for people and I was just like, I don't want to pray for them. Like, I really don't, I'm not feeling what they did to me or whatever. And I can be so honest with him and say, well, God, give me your heart. Because I don't have that right now in this situation. So, God, give me your heart. Because truly, you've poured so much into me that I have to be willing to help, especially those of the household of faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, yeah, we've got the answer. Thank you. Just stay up here. So, wasn't that good? You know, I have all these phrases going through my head as she's speaking. And this too shall pass. How many have heard that? You know, one time I was distraught and I had my face literally in the carpet. Was crying out to God. I was so serious. Thought my thought was the end of the world. You know, whatever I was going through. And I'm telling you, I heard just as clear as day. And this too shall pass. And it was humorous. The way it was said to me, it was like, get up and get going. You know, it was really, I took it as a humorous thing, and I immediately got up, washed my face, and went about my business. Because God was reassuring me, it's a season, and you're going to get through it. And it tells us in Ecclesiastes that there is a time and a purpose. There's a season for everything. And just like you can be guaranteed that this winter was going to turn to spring, the spring is going to turn to summer, and the summer is going to come turn to fall, you can't stop it. It is a cycle. I'm telling you, it will pass, whatever you're going through. Amen? And that for you, too, God has a time, and it will pass.